Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 8 of Revelation chapter 11, and we're going to be reading Revelation 11, verse 8. And it says, And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. And this is referring to the dead bodies of the two witnesses, Moses and it typified by Moses and Elijah, and it, it is a reference to the uh, witness of the word of God within the congregations. Uh, there was a period of testimony that this passage calls 1260 days, but in actuality it pointed to the entire New Testament church age, a period of 1955 years. And then at the conclusion of that time, it was God's plan to come visit the congregations and see if they were faithful to his word. He had granted space for them to repent. We read uh, of that in Revelation 2. He came in in uh, visitation to see if they had repented. And, of course, God, knowing everything, quickly saw they had not. And immediately he pronounced the judgment. The judgment was that he would abandon the churches. The Holy Spirit came out of the midst. The Lord Jesus, who was in the midst of the candlesticks, left the congregations. And at the same time, God loosed Satan and Satan entered in as the man of sin. And this is... Uh, that transaction, spiritual transaction, that uh, the Bible refers to elsewhere as the daily was taken away and the abomination of desolation set up. And and it happened simultaneously, um, all at once, at the end of the church age. And immediately at that point, the two witnesses, the witness of the word of God, the witness of the Bible in the church was dead. And, of course, the believers who closely identify with that witness would be identified with the dead body of the two witnesses also. And and God uses the Greek word potoma. We were talking about that in our last study. And uh, dead bodies, the two English words, is a translation of that one Greek word potoma, and it's found three times in Revelation 11 verses 8 and 9, once in Matthew 24, 28, referring to the carcass and where the carcass is, the eagles will be gathered together, and, and no doubt that also, uh, relates to the, uh, the end of the church age and, and the judgment of God upon the congregations as the eagles tie in with Babylon and the Chaldeans and and how they came historically against Judah, which 
was a historical parable painting the picture of what God would do to the churches and congregations at the end of time. And and so the dead bodies lie there dead. Now, we also saw that the fifth place, the Potoma, is found was in Mark chapter 6 in relationship to the dead body, the corpse of John the Baptist. And the significance of that is that John was beheaded. The the corpse that the disciples took up and placed in the tomb had no head. And and the word God uses there is patoma. And and that is helpful to us because the Lord Jesus is referred to as the head in a few verses. We'll just look at, at one in Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 4, it says in verse 15, But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. And Christ is the head of the body, we read elsewhere. He he is the head of the church. Of course, that's um, referring to the eternal church, the body of believers. But Jesus also establish the corporate body. God set up the uh, outward representation of his kingdom upon this earth. And and so he, uh, while he was in the midst of the candlestick, in the midst of the congregations, it could rightly be said that Christ was the head of the church. And and so at, at that point in time, when Christ came out of the church, when the Holy Spirit departed, at that point the head of the church left. And even though the word of God remained, Bibles uh, were not removed from the churches. The two witnesses, the law and the prophets, representing the word of God, the Bible, yes, it was there. But what good is the Bible without the power behind it, without Christ, without the Spirit of God to open up the ears of those that hear the Bible. And and that's why God says in Amos in chapter 8, and, and this identifies with, with the time of judgment on the churches and the Great Tribulation, that there will be a famine of hearing the words of the Lord, that and and that means there would be no salvation because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of god but if there's a famine of hearing and the famine is a result of the absence of god's holy spirit then there can be no salvation that was the judgment that came upon the churches and congregations of the world when god began the judgment process at the house of God. The end time was ushered in at at the point when the churches came under the wrath of God. And that's exactly what Revelation 11 is describing. Their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. Now, we we know, even though God, he he's not coming right out and saying it. Actually, 
by referring to Sodom and Egypt, it, it confuses things. But we know our Lord was crucified outside the gates of Jerusalem. And that is the great city that is in view here, where the dead bodies of the two witnesses are lying in the street of the great city. And again, that points to the church. And it has nothing to do with May 21, 2011. The true believers at that point uh, were outside of the churches and congregations. And if indeed we had been killed, well, our, our bodies would not have been lying in the place where our Lord was crucified at all. This is uh, a reference to Jerusalem. The two witnesses, the dead bodies of the two witnesses are in the streets of Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is a type and figure of the church. Now, what what is the street pointing to? Their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city. And the word street is fairly common in the Bible. For instance, we, we read in Luke 13, in Luke 13, verses 25 and 26, When once the master of the house is risen up, and has shut to the door, and ye begin to stand without, and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us. And he shall answer and say unto you, I know you not whence ye are. Then shall ye begin to say, We have eaten and drunk in thy presence, and thou hast taught in our streets. And uh, this is, of course, referring to uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the teacher, and he taught in Judah. He taught in Jerusalem, and and uh, the the word of God taught in the churches of the world. And uh, the link is with teaching God's word, the Bible, and the street. Uh, uh, that's what we can see also in Nehemiah, in Nehemiah chapter 8. And Nehemiah 8 is a chapter that is uh, going to lead into the Feast of Tabernacles, but in in the first three verses of Nehemiah 8, it says, And all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the water gate. And they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which Jehovah had commanded to Israel. And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both of men and women, and all that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from the morning until midday, before the men and the women, and those that could understand in the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. And here uh, in this historical setting, the the people are gathered, and I believe it is Jerusalem here, and they gather unto Ezra the scribe, who is reading from the law of God, the Bible. And they are gathered in the street. And significantly, 
It's the street outside the water gate. As they're listening to the words of God, the words of God, uh, the Bible does uh, identify with water, with gospel water. And they were listening attentively while they stood in the street. And that's the picture that God is giving us concerning the street. The street is a place where the gospel goes forth. It, it is a pathway. And, and actually, isn't that what streets are still today? Streets are um, in every city of the world. We still call them streets. And, and today we drive down them. Some people walk down the street still. And, and in order to get from one place to another, you travel, you journey uh, through the street. And when God sent forth the gospel into all the world and his people obediently carried out that command as faithful messengers of the word of God, they carried it through the streets of the cities of the world. And uh, even uh, in the days leading up to uh, the conclusion of God's salvation plan on May 21, 2011, uh, when the true believers went on track trips, they they flew to foreign lands, and once uh, in that land in a hotel, they would walk out onto the street, and sometimes they would take cabs or taxis, and and they would drive down the street, or they would they would get on either side and and just walk around the streets of the city, and handing out. Uh, literature, handing out um, Bible tracts as they went. And and so we can see how the street does identify with the, uh, with the distribution of the Word of God. Christ taught in the street. Ezra is uh, reading the scriptures in to the people in the street. We read in Proverbs... In Proverbs chapter 1, it says in verse 20, Wisdom crieth without. She uttereth her voice in the streets. She crieth in the chief place of concourse, in the openings of the gates. In the city, she uttereth her words, saying, and and then it continues. But uh, the important thing that we want to look at is wisdom crieth without she utters her voice in the streets and uh, also in the book of proverbs god personifies himself as wisdom in proverbs chapter 8 and so wisdom uh, who is christ when when wisdom utters her voice in the streets it's again uh it, it's again emphasizing that that Jesus teaches in the streets. The, the word of God, um, went forth into the highways and byways and the streets of this world. In Proverbs 5, it says in verse 15, drink waters out of thine own cistern and running waters out of thine own well. Let thy fountains be dispersed abroad. And rivers of waters in the streets. Notice the fountains are dispersed abroad 
and and rivers of waters that would represent the the gospel message in the streets flowing forth down the streets of the city it, it's the same thing as wisdom in the streets when when rivers of water are in the streets it's the same thing when Christ is in the street as rivers of water or wisdom these are all synonymous statements now in Isaiah 59 it says in uh, verse 14 and judgment is turned away backward and justice standeth afar off for truth is fallen in the street and equity cannot enter yea truth faileth and he that departeth from evil maketh himself a prey and Jehovah saw it, and it displeased him that there was no judgment. Truth is fallen in the streets. And that would relate to the two witnesses that that are lying dead in the street of the great city, Jerusalem, spiritually called Sodom and Egypt at that point. But but it is the church. And, and keep in mind it was in the church, in the congregations, that people, uh, would, would gather around, uh, each Sunday they would come to church. In many nations of the world, there were many churches in many cities throughout the church age, and people went to the church in order to hear the word of God. It, it's as though that was the street. That, that was the highway. That, that was the access to the kingdom of heaven. And, and at the end of the church age, truth is fallen in the street. The dead bodies of the two witnesses, uh, they're, they're the ones lying there. And, and another way of saying the same thing is found in Lamentations 2 in, um, verse 9. And Lamentations is a lament that God has brought judgment upon uh, the people called by his name. Lamentations 2.9 says, Her gates are sunk into the ground. He has destroyed and broken her bars. Her king and her princes are among the Gentiles. The law is no more. Her prophets also find no vision from Jehovah. The elders of the daughter of Zion sit upon the ground. And keep silence. They have cast up dust upon their heads. They have girded themselves with sackcloth. The virgins of Jerusalem hang down their heads to the ground. Mine eyes do fail with tears. My bowels are troubled. My liver is poured upon the earth. For the destruction of the daughter of my people. Because the children and the suckling swoon in the streets of the city. They say to their mothers, Where is corn and wine? When they swooned as the wounded in the streets of the city, when their soul was poured out into their mother's bosom. Uh, these verses match the language of woe unto them that give suck in those days that's found in Matthew 24. And notice they're, they're swooning, the sucklings are swooning in the streets of the city. There's no more wisdom in the street uh, because wisdom the, uh, who is Christ has left. There's no more rivers of water flowing forth down the street because Christ is, is the one that brings that gospel water. Without him, there, there's uh, a famine, a dearth, 
uh, there's no rain there and therefore no water for uh, the the people within Jerusalem within the churches to drink. Well, I think we we um, get the picture pretty clearly that that when God says um, in Revelation 11 verse 8, and their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, that uh, that is not a good thing at all. It it is a terrible judgment that has come upon the churches at the time of the end. And and then it continues in the middle of verse 8, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. Now, let's not um, go quickly over this phrase, spiritually. Spiritually, which spiritually is called? That's very interesting wording, isn't it? it what's interesting is that God is the one saying this. You know, if I or you or another child of God were talking to uh, people from the churches, a pastor, an elder, a deacon, and if we uh, were speaking of a verse and, and we uh, said, now, this is spiritually called, the, the pastor would probably roll his eyes and and the elder would shake his head. All oh, these poor, ignorant people, they haven't uh, gone to seminary. They haven't uh, studied uh, theology as we have. And, and here they are digging into the Bible, looking for spiritual meanings. They don't understand that they should just seek the plain, literal meaning and seek no other meaning. And that's what's taught in the seminaries. That's what their theologians teach them. Look for the moral teaching. Look for the historical facts. And, and look for the, the plain meaning of the verse and no further. And it is quite, um, opposed to God's methodology to what he would have anyone, anyone at all who wants to come to truth and in studying the Bible, the the way that God would have them to do it. God says, dig in and look for the spiritual meaning. And here he's helping us. I mean, this is actually uh, pretty complicated when you look at it. On one hand, he's referring to Jerusalem. And he helps us with that final statement where also our Lord was crucified. Anybody can go to the gospel account and and discover where Christ was crucified. And and so they would realize, okay, Jerusalem. And and perhaps that that uh, might be part of the plain statement here, but they would fail to understand um uh, there, there's nothing about Jerusalem, the the place uh, over in the Middle East that the Bible's concerned about when it comes to the time of the end, and the Book of Revelation, and especially Revelation 11, is dealing with the time of the end. God is not concerned about Jerusalem and whether the Muslims build a holy place or or whether the Jews keep the holy, what they consider the holy place, or 
Uh, God is not concerned with Israel at all any more than any other nation. And, and God uh, does not view them as the holy people at all. And it, it, again, uh, a proper understanding of what God did at the cross when he rent the veil of the temple would greatly help any Bible student to just all kinds of insight into the scriptures in Matthew 24 when Jesus is answering the disciples' question, what shall be the sign of thy coming in the end of the world? And he speaks of of fleeing Judea. Well, God doesn't care about anyone fleeing literal Judea at the end of time. Judah is just like America. It's just like China. It's just like any other place. It's a nation amongst the nations of the world. Its only significance is that the fig tree is in leaf, and that's it. It has no further significance. But what it represents, the type and figure of Judah and Jerusalem, is where the significance lies. And Jerusalem signifies the churches. The, the holy place signifies the churches. Judah signifies the churches. And so God is giving the reader a helpful clue when he says which spiritually is called Sodom in Egypt. Look for the spiritual meaning. Dig into uh, what you're reading and, and compare scripture with scripture to see what that spiritual meaning might be. Okay, and, and then it goes on to say spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt. So God is using the figure of Jerusalem, which in turn represents the church, and Jerusalem spiritually is called, first of all, Sodom. And why is God calling Jerusalem, the, the church, Sodom? Well, let's, let's go back to the book of Isaiah in Isaiah chapter one. Uh, and as normal, it's very typical. God is displeased with the nation of Israel. They were a rebellious people and, and God uh, in the period of the judges often brought enemies against them. And then finally, in destruction, he brought the Assyrians against Israel in the north and Babylon against Judah in the south and and so on due to their constant rebellion. And in Isaiah 1, verse 9, it says, Except Jehovah of hosts had left unto us a very small remnant, we should have been as Sodom, and we should have been like unto Gomorrah. Hear the word of Jehovah, ye rulers of Sodom. Give ear unto the law of our God, ye people of Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah were those wicked cities that that the Bible uh, records the history of in, in the book of Genesis, that they were uh, so wicked, God used them as an example of the pouring out of his wrath, and he destroyed those cities and and Admans of Boam, four cities of the plain, with fire and brimstone from heaven. And here God is addressing the church 
Israel of old, and it points to the New Testament church, and he's saying, you're just as wicked, but there is a remnant that prevents you from being like Sodom and Gomorrah. God had his people within the churches, the first fruits, and he had to wait, he had to wait for all the first fruits to come in, for all those elect people that he intended to save over the course of the many centuries of the church age before he could then destroy the churches by bringing judgment upon them. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.